Hi, everybody. This is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to two of our sponsors. The first is a company very close to my heart, WNR Studios. They're the makers of the Cloud Agent Suite. Their flagship product, Cloud CMA, is used by more than 400,000 real estate professionals across the country. They recently announced reaching a new milestone of publishing over 10 million CMAs. That's a lot. Cloud MLX, their front-end of choice solution, recently won Inman News' Most Innovative Technology Award and has crossed over 200,000 MLS members under site license. That's a lot, too. You can find out more at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce the Red Dot, a premium monthly report from the notorious one, Rob Hahn. The Red Dot is a monthly subscription providing an in-depth report focusing on a single key issue each month. Each issue will have an executive summary, a research and analysis, and more importantly, action items. The first report was amazing. I I really mean that. It was on uh, photos and licensing and such. And this is money well spent if you are in any uh, leadership role in organized real estate. And again, I really love the way this is laid out because with the executive summary, you can really get a quick hit of what this report is about. Later on, you can come back to the research analysis, and then you can have some action items to to bring to your board or your, your company. Anyway, please sign up at notorious-rob.com forward slash premium. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if we have any listeners that are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and now on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is one of your co-hosts, Rob Hahn. On the line, we have the infamous Greg Robertson. Greg, how are you? Hola, Rob. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> how, so that's you said that a couple times now. I'm, I'm infamous? I don't, yeah, okay. I, I mean, notorious, yeah, I'm notorious, right? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we got to make you something. I mean, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you tell me, like, what will be better? You know? I have no idea. <laughs> the the well loved. I don't know the, about that either. So maybe the, maybe the magnificent infamous. Greg Robertson. The, well, uh, we're getting somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Greg the magnificent. <laughs> I'm off to see the wizard. <laughs> I always liked magic when I was growing up. So those posters, like the amazing Carter or you right. know, the magnificent Houdini. Right. So yeah, maybe that. All right. <laughs> so uh, I think we're going to talk about the latest shenanigans going down in DC. Is that right? Yeah, the DOJ, FTC, MLS, NAR, cha-cha-cha. Exactly. A lot of acronyms, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. The Greek letters, too, now. I'm like, I'm, we're in another language with letters. <laughs> Greek acronyms. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously, I was there in person. You know, you were watching on the stream, which mm-hmm. had some real technical difficulties in the beginning. Yeah, I, I basically missed the gentleman's opening comments and Brad's opening comments. Mm-hmm. But uh, the rest, actually, they finally got everything going and it was actually very clear uh, and cool. it sounded great. Yeah, got lucky. So, before we kind of like, you know, sort of dig into it, I just got to ask you, was it as boring online as I imagined it to be? Well, you know, you got to figure out, for me, it's like, I'm just there to crack jokes, man. So, mm-hmm. I'm just live tweeting the things and I'm looking at just the different characters there and what they're saying and, and kind of commenting on. So, I'm paying attention a lot to what they're saying. So, I didn't think so. I think, you know, probably the most boring to me was probably the last one. Mm. You know, I think that everybody agreed on some things that a lot of people disagreed. And I've read the commentary afterwards from a lot of people and it's 
they seem to sum up the same things I was thinking, with right. a little bit of exceptions. Right. And by the way, uh, for those listening, uh, this had to do with a workshop. I mean, I won't call it a hearing. I don't want to call it a panel because it wasn't really official like that. It was a workshop that the DOJ, Department of Justice, and FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, conducted in DC last Wednesday, was it? Thursday? Can't remember. Last week. And I believe the recording of the event will be online at some point. Right. So you could kind of see it for yourself if you're truly interested. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then again, you know what? If you're listening to us, you know, talk about crap like this, then chances are you're probably truly interested. So maybe you should go check it out. Let me ask, like, who do you think, like, winners and losers? Who did themselves favors and who did not? Yeah. I don't think the industry, the organized real estate industry, did any favors to themselves. And you had a great post about this. There's some others that said this. And I mean, I don't think it's like they killed themselves, but this whole, like, nothing to see here, right? Right, right. It was just a bit much, right? It's just like, I think you had said also, you almost wanted to throw the DOJ FTC guys a couple bones just to like, you know, not on this, but just this whole notion of like, you know, why are we even talking? This is. Right. Obviously, the most <laughs> the lady wonderful- protest too much. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. A little, bit of that. a little bit of that. I don't think we did any, ourselves any favors there. I get where you're coming from. I don't think it's fatal. You know, uh, right. like Katie Johnson, I thought, did a, a great job. You know, but although when she was sort of hurried along by the moderator, it was great. She just like came out with kind of, you know, the key takeaway, right? No government intervention. Nothing to see here. Like, competition. <laughs> go away. Go away. <laughs> I was like, that was awesome. Yeah, there was <laughs> free some, market. Yeah, there were some other guys on there that I thought was just kind of a you know who was it? Eric Eckert from Purple Bricks, yeah. which he was just a a commercial. I was like, did you miss a turn? Did you think you were on an Inman panel? Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just the same thing going by, and we're just all about this. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Can you please? You know, pass. <laughs> and then there was like the Joshua Hunt guy from Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. just, a, you know, an anarchist. You know, it was like borderline, I've got a list, right? I mean, you know. Right. I like the, uh, what was it, Mr. El Ghoul? Um, yeah. Pronouncing that right? From Glasshouse Real Estate. Yeah. He, you know, yeah. he would seem kind of like in the middle of all that, like the reasonable guy. He wasn't selling his commercial. He wasn't like saying blowing right. things up. But, you know, it's like. Hey, I'm trying to make That's this business a, yeah. happen, you know, and this is my yeah. model's a little bit kind of hybrid of all this. And, you know, I see some challenge, but he was like, to me, the most reasonable guy on that type of thing. Simon, I think yeah. for me, RA, Simon Chen, um, again, he's just kind of like laying out their traditional broker kind of angle, which is, you know, I don't know if it's that right. relevant in the conversations everybody's having at this panel or this workshop. I, yeah. I mean, I thought that panel was probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, even with Eric Eckhart just spending his entire time, like he's promoting and advertising, you know, Purple Bricks. I'm like, you know, you understand like this audience is not the right one for that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Simon Chen did great, I thought. El Ghul, I thought, did great. And Joshua Hunt, I mean, given kind of who he is and his background and what he was there for, I thought he did great. You know, yeah, he well, a he's, lot he's of totally your tribe, dude. He's, he's just a rebel rouser, man. He's Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like I do wonder – it makes me more curious, honestly, right? It makes me curious about, okay, so he's alleging a lot of stuff. Like, what are we looking at, right? And he talked about a brick through a window and death yeah. threats and stuff. I'm like, is that real? Like, really? Do people really do that? I just I mean, I they can't, must. I can't believe you know? some freaking broker or an agent is like, 
yeah. two two percent. I'm gonna get this guy. <laughs> but hey, look, he, he's he alleging it. He's got right from the garage. Yeah, we'll, show this like, guy. Wow. we'll show this yeah. guy. <laughs> it just makes me think of like think about like the average realtor is what fifty eight and female. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like you know, like four realtors in a you know drop top broham you know yeah. driving around like looking for Trelora. They're going to do a drive by. Like you know, it's just it's a funny with, image. They're they're, <laughs> they're they're Ford Explorer. Alexis, SUV. You know, pumping some gangster rap from the stereo as I go around looking for Trelora. I'm driving. You you throw it. You throw it. <laughs> now, now. I mean, I thought that was good. But, you know, like I said in the post, like it really just lived up to my low expectations of the event. See, I think I'm a little bit more paranoid. And Brian Barrero in his like Friday flash thing kind of made this analogy. And I kind of like agreed with him. It's like there's just this hint that we're walking into a buzzsaw. Organized real estate, mm-hmm. right? And I was talking to a few people, and and one of the most interesting theories, and I, I don't want to say I necessarily agree with this, but it's like, right? Did the DOJ just pull this massive head fake on the industry, right? And oh, really, it okay. might have been okay. Yeah, no, Tell here, me more. Here I go. Here I go. So yeah. maybe two massive head fakes, right? The first okay. one was really making this thing what everybody thought was about data. Right, right. The, the transparency, the, the access to data, and maybe part of that head fake was Daniel Castro's panel, right? Where right. we had right. all those people there. Even somebody from the DOJ was there. So we're all concerned. Okay, data. Ooh, they're really that's the thing here. They're really concerned about data, right? So what does NAR do? They they hire this guy to write this kind of whole dissertation mm-hmm. about data and and why right. the way that we do it is going to benefit everybody by having this cooperation from all the brokers. And if we didn't do that, it would be less access to more complete data. You know, Glenn Kelman writes the tragedy of the commons, that type of thing. CMLS does this and that, you know, writes their own kind of recommendations. Daniel Castro's thing has this thing about data, whatever else, right? The DOJ is like, look over here, man, right? Even (laughs) with this last minute kind of like the, I think the week before was, you know, it's all about banks and real estate, right? Right, right. And then whammo, they get to this thing. It's like, nah, man, we're going to blow up commissions. And everybody's, okay. like, and then everybody's like, what the, what, you know? Right. So it's like, first of all, I'm not sure if I totally believe that. But if I go into like Rob Hahn conspiracy world, <laughs> you can do that. Because <laughs> man, I, man, think, I'm just... I think the reason they had it was <laughs> because, you know, the consent degree or whatever you want to call it was expired. They wanted to take a look at this and talk about it, Right. And see where NAR's head was kind of going. I don't think there was that much kind of thought to it, but you know, nobody was really talking about data access. Really, it was really a lot about you know commission transparency, right? right? So that I think to me it caught everybody a little bit off guard, right? They all came to this party thinking it was going to be right, a black tie, and you know they yeah. show up in like you know nobody shows up in black tie except for them, right? Okay, so first of all, I'm not going to yield to anybody in terms of paranoid, you know, <laughs> the government's coming to get us thing. I feel like that's one of my signatures. But uh, it is. It's your, what do you go to? What you just laid out, man, I feel like is even beyond me. So yeah, I'm going okay, well, to say it's like even about. beyond my level of paranoia. But here, um, here's okay. I haven't even gone. I'll go deeper. You ready for deeper? Okay. I'm ready, man. Okay. I'm, go I'm going to kind of quote from your post, right? 
Maybe decoupling the commissions would be good for everybody in the long run, but there's little doubt that it would be massively disruptive for the industry. For starters, what would happen to the MLS if there's no compensation? Mm -hmm. What happens right. to buyer agency? Thankfully, there's no hint of such a thing on the horizon yet, so we won't spend more time on speculative nothings. So I don't know how you could write that. To me, that whole thing was, it's not only on the horizon, I see the four horsemen you know, <laughs> riding up, mounted up, mounted up and coming over the freaking pass, man. I mean, if they decouple that, right. the MLS is two things. It's cooperation and compensation. Right. And if they decouple that, there's no motivation for larger brokers to share their listings. And Correct. basically what we're going to have here is some of the European models or a commercial model. So to me, and I, you know, I'm almost laughing saying this because every year there's always the death of the MLS, right? And, right. and I don't want to be one of those guys, but motherfucker, I'm telling you, this could be the death of the MLS right here, bro. It could be. DOJ, to use Brian's analogy, could just come in through a buzzsaw and say, you know what? You got five years to decouple this shit. That's the end of the MLS. So a couple of things. I can't believe First you're of all, walking me off the ledge. This is hilarious. I know. Like, we should start arguing or something, get our ratings back up. But uh, <laughs> So first of all, a little bit of context. Like when I wrote that, one of the reasons was because there was an academic on one of the panels. Yeah. And I went to DC in part to actually see her. She was one of the two or three people that you know, I had never heard from before. So her name is Panla Gia Barwick. Yeah, the she's Cornell. an economist. Yeah, from Cornell. At Cornell. Yeah, she was um, smart. She's not just an economist at Cornell. She's also a what's called like an academic research fellow or something at a think tank called the National Bureau of Economic Research or NBER. And I've written about this like a few years ago when I first ran across this paper. So she and a couple other economists wrote a paper, and I think it was literally called the agent commission puzzle. <laughs> and, you know, most of the paper I couldn't read because they're like econometrics people. There's a lot of Greek letters, a lot of data, you know, a lot of just formulas and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is way beyond me. I'm pretty good at math, but this is, you know, like way, way beyond right. me. But the conclusion that they came to, this is sort of what I wrote. And I want to say this was back in like 2015 was that according to this study that they did, and they looked at Boston, you know, so there must be MLS pin data that they used. And what they found was listings that were offering less than the quote traditional 3% split, you know, the buy side commission, mm -hmm. they took, I think it went, I want to say it was 6% less likely to sell and took something like 11% longer to sell. So the clear suggestion there is that buyer agents are steering clients away from houses, away from properties that were offering less than the quote normal rate, you know? Now the thing about that is that's like clearly illegal and unethical, right? Right. I mean, fiduciary duty as a buyer's agent, you know, you're supposed to put your buyer's needs ahead of you. Now, you know, you should have like some buyer agency rep agreement, whatever, so you make sure you get paid, but still you gotta show them, you know, like this is what's available, right? And represent them. So it's illegal in that way. It's unethical because that's, you know, NAR code of ethics. Again, there's no provision about you know, don't show your clients houses where you're not going to make as much money, right? So it's unethical and illegal, and yet it happens. And the thing is, you know, and I know this happens, right? We know this because happens. It happens. I mean, I think it happens in every industry. I mean, if you go to a, a restaurant and, you know, they bought too much fish, and the chef right. at the beginning of the shift says, hey, push the fish. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit scaled down there, but I mean, you know. Of course. 
The only right. difference, of course, is that like, you know, I was a salesperson at Bergdorf Goodman. And when some, you know, manufacturer comes in and says, hey, if you sell a Fendi this week, then you're going to get an extra, you know, 5%. It happens, except that I don't have a fiduciary duty mm-hmm. to the buyer, right? Right. So that's where things got, got wonky. But one of the other things that these academics ended up saying at the end of the paper was their theory essentially is that real estate commissions in the United States are too high. And the reason for it is because of this coupling, right? That the seller pays the buyer's agent, right? This cooperating compensation is the reason why commissions are too high. Now, there's a threshold problem, and, and they talked about it a little bit in DC. One is to say that the commission is too high. Right. Because what do you mean by that? Like, okay, well, compared to other countries where they don't really have buyer agency, I want to say it was either. There's an an apples and oranges there a little bit. Yeah. That's number one. And number two, you get into this whole discussion and they started doing like Brian Larson from Larson uh, Skinner, you know, kind of started going down that path a little bit, talking about, you know, increased commissions has, you know, less to do with commission rate because there's a lot of evidence suggests that commission rate is decreasing. But home prices have doubled, so that could be why, you know, agents right. are. Well, he was talking yeah. more, and I thought it was a good point. Is yeah. talking about dollars, and he was talking about percentages, Percentage. right? Right, but so, you know, and his course. point is, you can't yeah. say that just because the dollars went up, that commissions are higher. It's because you know house prices went up, whereas yeah. the rate is decreasing. Which I thought was really, yeah. really basic, and you know, it is. so. But she came back, and she's a smart person, right? You know, like, well, dollars are dollars or something like that. I'm like, uh. you know, the, so here's part of the problem. And this is kind of one of the things I observed is here she is. And she's clearly like an academic. You know I mean? She's an egghead. And besides right. which, English is not her first language. So there was some awkwardness there. But, you know, she starts talking about things like price cost margin. And, you know, we're in the industry. We're like, well, what do you mean? You know, cost hasn't gone down. It's like, and I realized she's talking about a very specific economic theory. Right, that looks at like market power by function of price cost, and it, and I just realized we're talking, you know, like over each other's heads, right? She was talking like economic theory and studies that she had read and all this stuff, and we're sitting here talking. Well, what do you mean? Like things haven't gotten any cheaper, so we'll see. So when I wrote, you know, that passage you read, Greg, you know, what my thought was, I didn't think the panel is going to change anything. Like she didn't like land some knockout blow. It wasn't like she said, you know. If you want commissions lower, then you have to decouple. Like That's not what it is. It's that she and these other people published a paper. But they published a paper that was from a very influential think tank, right? Right. And from our side, like there is no defense that I've seen against that. Like the uh, NAR paper, white paper that, that you mentioned about like competitive benefits of MLS or something like that, it's like just words. There's no math in it. There's no data. And no one, like not Lawrence June, not, you know, well, there was some Young. data in NAR's thing, I think. Just very, I, I, yeah, very, very, very high level. Like, yeah, it, yeah, let's yeah. put this way it's data that you and I could read and understand. Right, right, right. There were no Greek letters. Right? Yes. <laughs> there, was, there was no advanced graduate statistics and math the right, way right. there was in the NBER paper. And I'm sitting here going, look, I mean, there's no answer to this. The industry has not offered, well, you know, we understand what NBER people say, but we think they're wrong because the data actually says this, or here's an alternative set of data. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not fighting yeah, at that yeah. level. Well, that's what I was saying at the beginning yeah. is like, 
was that intentional from the NARDOJ? I mean, I don't, I don't really think I so, but the conspirators could think, well, they made him go look in this other direction right. towards data. Right. Then they dropped the bomb on this where they weren't prepared. Because right. I think if NAR or anybody else wanted to talk about commissions, right. transparency or right. how it's done or and how that is a positive thing, right. they could have come up with their papers on that. But it just seemed like we showed up to a gunfight with a knife. Right, right. There's a little bit of that, right? So my concern essentially is that the DOJ and the FTC folks have already made up their minds. So they'll do the right. workshops, they'll do the hearings. But when we finally see some new regulations come out, it might actually take aim at that sort of coupling of commissions. And here's the thing there too, is like right. about making up their minds. I think you're right there because one of the other things I was talking to um, some people about was NARs basically says, we're not going to like change anything right, right. about this policy, right? right? But at some point, and I don't remember when, but I was reminded about this. I think actually one of the people from the DOJ asked NAR to kind of come up with something. They were like, it's almost like they're almost telling the industry like, well, what's your solution to this? Oh, <laughs> I think it was around the transparency thing, like the commission transparency thing. Yeah. Right. So it's like, if we just kind of sit on our hands here, mm -hmm. We think everything's fine, right? As you say, nothing's on the horizon. Right. If, if that's what the collectively the industry thinks, I think that's a bad move. Right? I, I agree with you there. I think there's something think, happening. And the thing that has to happen here is the way I think they have to go to it mm -hmm. is here's the problem. I think with the whole way that buyer agency and, and the commission thing, and I mean, what she's kind of arguing a little bit is almost close to that Freakonomics mm -hmm. right, um, right. angle, right? Right, a little bit. That, but it's hard to think because- if agents are trying to keep a buyer away from a property, right? Well, it's mm -hmm. online. That's in the right neighborhood. It's got the right amount of houses. It's right. got everything on there. Well, let's go see that. And right. well, you know, it smells like cat piss. I don't know what they're, you know, how far. To me, there's a little bit of holes in that argument. But going back to what I was going to get to is that I don't know if I want to sell the way the commission's set up right now. Other right. than if that goes away, I do think it's over with, man, for well, MLS. Well, right? here's, so, here's what they have thing. to do is they have to go out there and they say, you know what? We heard you. We need to make sure that the way that we do commissions is more transparent. And right. here are the 10-step program to do that, right? But and okay. I think that's the only way the industry can get out of this. Because if indeed they decouple this stuff, right. it's over with. Right. But here's the with. thing. I honestly cannot think of a good way of defending the way that we do things. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because of that, you have to go towards talking about becoming more transparent about it. But I'm saying it's more than being transparent, meaning if we really think that the feds are looking at decoupling commissions, then we actually have to think about, okay, let's assume for the moment we can't stop that. What do we do? Right? I mean, obviously, we're going to try and stop it. But I'm saying I don't see the great arguments. Because this is the only industry I could think of where the seller pays for the buyer's representative. It's the only one I can think of. I'm not aware of any others. Commercial doesn't work this way. Like big time commercial, listing agents are like, that's great. Have your buyer pay you. A lot of times. I mean, not always and not small scale commercial, but like if you're doing a billion dollar industrial project, you know, the seller's not going, oh yeah, I'll pay you 3%. It doesn't happen, right? So if that ends up coming about, it's hard for us to defend it. Brian Larson, I thought, offered the only kind of defense against that, where he talked about the reason why it's become this way is because the way the financing works, where you're allowed to kind of write the commission costs into the mortgage, that the bank will allow you to sort of put the commission amount into the mortgage, to the loan. Whereas on the buy side, that doesn't happen. Well, 
so what happens if after all this is said and done, you know, the DOJ, FTC, whatever, CFPB, you know, whoever comes along and says, you know what, we're going to allow buyers to just, you know, amortize their commission, right? To finance the buy side commission in exchange for higher interest rates. Right. That kills the entire, like, do we have any other arguments besides that for why the way we have commissions working, you know, like to defend it? I don't, I can't think of one. Well, here's the thing. We can't think of one because, you know, we weren't prepared to go in this conversation that we were going to defend that, right? And I think, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there. And I happen to think, you know, it has to do a lot with the MLS. I mean, you could look back and saying the reason we, but hold on. Yeah. whether you look at it from the standpoint of like data not being accessible or this commission thing, if either one of those gets blown up, the MLS gets blown up. That's right. So to me, they're just taking two paths to this, but both paths leads to the MLS blown up, and I do not think that is good for the industry. So no, it's, good it's for not consumers no, either, right? And I'm, I'm in total agreement. It's not good for the industry. What I'm saying is, or, uh, or consumers really. But that's the piece, right? In other words, the data utility thing. You know, I mean, there are arguments that could be brought forth saying, like, we don't want the MLS as a public data utility. There are some arguments you can bring forward for that. What I'm wondering is, okay, maybe we need to have another episode just on this. Like, what is the best argument that we can come up with as an industry as to why it's in the consumer's benefit to have compensation work the way it does today, where the seller pays for both sides, right, of the representation? It's really hard, man. Like once you take the mortgage financing thing off the table, I can't think of one, right? And like you and I are pretty smart guys. We know the industry. I can't think of a really good reason why things should stay this way from the consumer standpoint. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a problem. Like we need to come up with something if we're going to defend that. And right now, the academic papers that are out there are all sort of like, you know, this is weird and stupid and unique and it results in higher commissions for Americans. Well, that's going to carry a lot of weight with regulators unless some other academics could come forward and say, we appreciate what Dr. Barwick is saying, but here's another study that shows the exact opposite. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can't answer academic papers full of data and squiggly numbers, and you know, like, and formulas with, you know, like a bunch of lawyers like Brian and me or you know, commentators like you and me going and say, you know, oh, no, defend the compensation. Like, it's not going to work. Like, we need to go to a gunfight with a gun. And right now, to your point, we don't have that because we don't have the academic studies. So, listen, I don't know how many people and, that, and and I don't are know, listening I don't to this. I don't even know if it needs to be like a total justification of how we have things now. It could be a tweak to how we have things now. Maybe. That might be the answer Maybe. too, right? So, Maybe. But somebody needs to get on this shit. Maybe, right. So I think it's way bigger. I can just see one day they coming down and saying, nope, you got five years. Right? Not even. And then it's just like- Not even, well, right? You know, Think about it. It's a, it's a big what, industry. What would it like banking what would it and everything take? else. What would it take? It would take I, banks to be involved because you're I, right. It happens. I feel like all it takes is for Fannie and Freddie to say, we are no longer going to incorporate commissions into the loan. Right? Right. Like we're just gonna not gonna allow it. And if you want a Fannie loan, if you want a standard thirty-year mortgage, you can't put that into the loan. Yeah, that's not gonna work, though. You know, I mean, like that's all it takes. Well, if that's all it takes, then our arguments gonna have to be a lot better. So you're right. I mean, I think if there's anything, like, hey, we know some folks at NAR are listening to this. Hey, Lawrence, like, get somebody on your team. 
we need some academic papers, right, to argue sort of for and make some decent arguments for, or or at least make some arguments against kind of the academic papers that are out there, right? That would be one that we definitely need to do. But you're right. I mean, I think that's real paranoia level thinking because, you know, who benefits if that happens? That's one of the things I'm trying to figure yeah. out. Like, you know, Washington, D.C. is not necessarily what's the right thing to do. It's sort of who benefits. Okay, let's go down that path a little bit. Let's yeah. let's step out here. We haven't talked about them a lot, but the portals. Right, right. So I think Zillow's famous for like, they like the way everything is now, right? Their customers are real estate agents, Correct. right? And those customers pay them. Right. And they've spent significant amount of resources Getting buyer leads. Getting buyer leads, but also courting MLSs Mm -hmm. to give them data, right? Now, if that blows up, like I say, if this commission thing, if they uncouple that, MLS is over with, right? You can't have cooperation with compensation or compensation without cooperation. It's just over with, right? So that blows up. But then if you look at it, one of the biggest investors in Zillow is that group out of Australia, Mm -hmm. right? Which that group has the largest real estate portal out in Australia. And the way they operate is, you know, sellers pay to post. Right. So it might be a hassle for Zillow, but still, just like happens now, when you hear these brokers are going to pull out of Zillow, all the other listing agent has to do is saying, well, they don't put them on Zillow, I do, and they mm-hmm. lose the listing. So that, right. I think going forward, it'd be a massive disruption for them. But I think there's models out there they could look at. They've got investors that have that know-how. Right. So on one level, you could look at like, I think Zillow's fine in all this stuff. Zillow's fine, but I don't know that they benefit. It, let's well, say okay, they would benefit if that new model, right? And you've already written about this. I have. Yeah. And if anybody hasn't picked up his red report, they should. But they're talking about this kind of merchandising listings, right? That's right. And this yeah. is all about merchandising. You know, that's a whole other right. you know revenue source. So it, they would benefit if this new model makes them more money than the old model. I think. I mean, that's possible. But what we're talking about is Zillow. Pivoting from what they have today to being something a lot more like uh, LoopNet and CoStar and commercial, right? Because obviously in commercial real estate, there's, yeah. you know, cooperation compensation is not a given. Well, no, th- right? those things are more professional tools. I mean, Zillow would still be a public, you know, something. Oh, no, but Loop, for- LoopNet is it's a portal, you know, with commercial properties. What I'm saying is, like, I don't know exactly how LoopNet makes money now, but a lot of what their thing was around listing merchandising. I thought because there's no compensation. It was, all, it was right. all about subscription. No, no, I know. But what I mean is like, there's no compensation, right? So if you get a buyer's lead off of LoopNet, what does that do you? Right. It gives you the ability to make a phone call to the listing agent and say, will you pay yeah. me? Yeah, I don't know. It's a little right. bit different because their, 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 their portal is really, you know, it's not like you and I are looking at LoopNet. Oh God, look at that office building. It's all B2B <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little hard to compare. I don't know that Zillow necessarily benefits from that because fact is the buy side, I mean, just as a matter of math, Half of the commissions in real estate are buy side, right? So what is it? If the estimate is like $6 billion in commissions, it's more than that. I think it's like $18 billion. I can't remember. But it's like billions of dollars in quote commissions every year. But right. half of that is buyers, buy side commissions. If that goes away and consumers are not willing to write checks to buyer agents to represent them, then the entire market just shrank. So I don't know if that's good for Zillow. I guess if we're going to get real conspiracy theory, like what I wonder about is if buy side commissions go away, does that benefit banks, right? Because like I mentioned, the banks were completely not mentioned, right? And this is after- Banks want bigger loans are better for banks, right? They want to finance as much money as they can. It wouldn't be a good thing. Unless if buy side agency goes away, I mean, do banks have any sort of an edge in sort of getting those buyers? The agents that work for banks would all be employees, so they don't care. 
right? So it's like you walk into Chase Bank, you're like, I want a mortgage. You're like, great, do you want to buy a house? We'll represent you. And it's free because you're getting the mortgage from us. Like, is there any sort of benefit to banks that I'm not thinking thinking about? I can't like think of, even this administration would like think it's a good idea is to get banks even more uh, cozy (laughs) with the real estate transaction after the last goddamn, you know, 10 years. Yeah, who knows? If you think of it that way, if there's no clear beneficiary, I'm not sure that we see it. Right. If there's no, like if the well, banks the aren't going to benefit. would be according to, you know, them or whoever, I don't right. know if anybody's really made this point really, I guess maybe the economist did, but maybe the consumer, right? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not writing $50 million checks to congressmen every year. Right. NAR is, and the banks are. So, you know, that's why I'm saying, look, if this were some pure and clean type of scenario, I could say, yes, yeah, so it's better for consumers. And of course, our wonderful men and women in Congress you know, will do the right thing. And I'm like, yeah, but realistically speaking, unless there's some sort of special interest that's backing something, nothing's going to happen. And we know NAR is incredibly powerful. They spend tens of millions a year. So unless there's somebody on the other side of that issue, I don't see it happening. Right. Which is why, yes, it's paranoid thinking, but Unless we can identify like who benefits is like, if you were to tell me that for whatever reason, Google and Facebook have decided that they want to decouple commissions, I'd be like, all right, you know what? There's a real good chance we're going to see commissions decoupled. But other than like, quote unquote, consumers like the Stephen Brobeck from Consumer Federation or academics, uh, who wants commissions decoupled? I'm not seeing it. And who benefits if it does? It's not Zillow. It's not you know, Facebook or Google, it's not the banks, as far as I can tell. Like, I don't see how unions necessarily benefit. There's no clear beneficiary. And as a result, I don't really think it happens. It's an interesting thing. I think that NAR or somebody, there's got to be some leadership. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, on one level, it's like, I think there's a a huge amount of opportunity here for leadership, right? You know, I'd love to see it be CMLS. I'd love to see, you know, Oh, guys, yeah. You know, like, okay, we've heard these guys. NAR, you might be asleep at the wheel here, but here's our recommendation based upon this meeting, right? Right. I just right. don't know if they have the leadership there to kind of pull that off, right? To really be, to kind of unite well, and say, this is the deal. Now, the other thing is NAR, right? They're the mm-hmm. ones that they got to protect their membership, right? And if mm-hmm. cooperation conversation goes away, that leads to the end of the MLS. I think their members would not like that as much as a lot of people complain about it. I mean, I think that's making the market work a little bit here, right? So somebody's got to take some leadership here. And I think it's a huge opportunity. And I guess we'll find out. But I think the FTC or DOJ gal saying, what are you going to do? And I think we, the industry, whether that's NAR or CMLS or somebody, has to answer that question. Get get this conversation going. Because- the problem is, I think as soon as somebody figures out who does benefit, and somebody throws some cash that way, then it right. might be over, man. It might. And you're right. I mean, I completely agree. And maybe it's CMLS, maybe it's NAR, maybe somebody else you know, should step up and you know, provide some leadership on something like this. Because here's the thing. Like, it's not like nothing's going to come out of this, right? It's something that you and I have talked about. Like, I have personally never seen any government agency anywhere who was asked to research an issue and they come back with no problems here. Our job is done, right? Like it's never happened. Right. You know, a bureaucracy always comes back with, you know, yeah, on the whole, it's good, but here are like four or five, ten different, like really important things that need to happen. So please increase our budget. And you know, like, so I feel like they're gonna find something, right? We don't know what that is. If it is commissions decoupling, you're right. That's a nuclear bomb. 
So, you know, there has to be some answer to that. If it's transparency around commissions, and that's not a nuclear bomb, that's more of like a small... That's the route I think you know, we got to go. We got to go about... Yeah. I halfway don't even agree with that because the other thing is like everybody's so spooked, I think, <laughs> right. to talk about commission rates too. It's like, right. it's like I thought you motherfuckers told us never to talk about this stuff. And now, <laughs> right. Like, when they start talking about everybody in the room, it's like, you know, I could see like looking at each other like, okay, I guess we're talking about it now, right? So it's like, right. <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to talk about this. Okay, well. I know Brian Larson mentioned yeah. that on stage. Like, uh, yeah. the reason why we don't talk about it is because you guys told us not to. I hope they take that into consideration, right? So yeah. maybe yeah. if they're saying you should talk about this, maybe this is them saying you have permission to talk about this. So please fix this, right? right? I mean, I don't know. We've already run over a little bit. I'll tell you this. Maybe we ought to do like a whole show in the future around this topic. Because no, you know what? So. Since I wrote this, I've gotten a bunch of emails and like private messages and texts and things like that from various people saying that, you know what? It would be a wonderful thing if we were to decouple commissions. Eek. I don't think they're thinking no, like that People through. that I did not expect to hear from saying things like, you know, I have a whole business model ready to go, right? The minute this happens. And you know what it reminded well, they, me they, of? They should uh, like really understand that if their business model relies on an MLS, <laughs> mm-hmm. then they're fucked. Right. Because right. in that case, right. it's not going to exist. Right. Right. There will be an MLS, but, but with, not with all the listings because X, Y, and Z big brokers decided to say, I'm out. Yeah, but you know what? If you have listings, at that point, then Zillow just becomes the no. national MLS. So, you know, yeah, by default. If, if, there you go, man. Who wins? Yeah, Zillow I mean, wins. Who benefits? I Zillow suppose. But, Zillow benefits. Yeah, but they become the database. Doesn't mean they have any paying customers. But right? selling homes. <laughs> they're buying homes now too, man. All right. It's like a Bond villain, man. They got a room <laughs> and they got a, you know, it's all with a big circle, the biggest economic minds and the thing. And like, okay, here's how we do it. And a map rises from the floor of the market. Right. And they go, somebody points a laser pointer and go, okay, this is how we do it. Boom, 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 boom. We you know, and, and we take over. All right. We'll see you guys next year. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I thought I was the paranoid one, you know, on this call, but apparently it's you today, oh, Greg. Man. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but wait, so let me get back to this. So what I'm saying is what surprised me about it was the last time there was one of these like nuclear bomb threatening the industry thing was around the ten ninety nine issue. Right. So I remember writing something about 1099 and Barasani versus Coldo Banker and all this stuff. And I got a surprising number of brokers calling me or, you know, emailing and texting saying the best thing that could happen for the industry is if we were forced to have agents as employees. And I'm like, that's not the answer I expected to hear. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is maybe this commission thing, just like the 1099 thing, you know, our conventional wisdom, our perception may be that quote, the industry really wants to fight it because NAR wants to fight it, CMLS wants to fight it, you know, and like big brokers want to fight it. But maybe that's not necessarily the case. Like maybe there are people out there who would love to see, you know, both of those things come to pass. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it would be interesting to just explore, you know, hey, listen, if you're a listener and you want to take that position, let me or Greg know and we try to have you on a call and just kind of explore that. Like it would be fun and interesting to sort of explore, you know, people who are in the industry, whether brokers, MLS, tech people, whatever, who actually would not mind seeing something like commissions decoupled. You know? Right. Like that would be an interesting conversation, I think. Right. So anyway, oh man. <laughs> hey, um we got <laughs> 
45 minutes of deep conspiracy theory mongering. I, I do want to, before we end, I, I do want to do a little bit of FU, meaning some follow-up here, right? Yes. So on our, our previous podcast, which was yes. titled Spider-Man Spending Controversy and the Same Old NAR? question mark. So uh-huh. Sam DeBoard on Facebook and another gentleman chimed in as well. It says, the widely publicized smart budget and open forum apparently didn't happen, question mark, right? Mm -hmm. And another guy, Rob, for what it's worth, I was there and I did see much more transparent NAR. The open discussion about spending you're looking for occurred at a two-hour treasurer's forum on May 17th. There was also a town hall meeting on Facebook Live and discussions at every single regional caucus. A brochure mm-hmm. outlining expenses was widely distributed and reproduced in email communications. The budget was discussed openly everywhere throughout the legislative meetings for months in advance, online and at state meetings. This sounds like the list that somebody's shoving up your ass. What are we talking about exactly? We're talking about uh, how you thought that- How I was wrong about uh, the level of transparency? The level of communication. Is that what we're saying? Of the budget initiatives. That NAR was not doing enough. And I told you, I said- Listen, man, somebody's going to come up and give you a list of all the different things NAR did that is going to basically right. blow up what you're saying. And I think these guys really? are doing it. Okay. Well, then those guys are welcome to send me an email with an explanation of NAR's travel budget. Because in the write-up, the FAQ or whatever, you know, we took a knife to every line item, blah, blah, blah. They talked about they cut $100,000 out of an $8 million travel budget. I would like to see the $8 million travel budget and what was done to cut 100000 out of it. I would like some answers as to the overhead budget. Look, I mean, as a third-party non-realtor, non-board member, I don't have access to their books. I could go pull up my article, but you know, when the average sort of overhead, like office occupancy cost, is something like eighty thousand dollars per employee, like I would like to see an accounting of that. If we're talking transparency and we had these two-hour treasurer meetings, fine, y'all get back to me with answers to questions I posted online about it. But a bigger issue is, I just don't buy that like, because we're talking to you and spent two hours at a treasurer's meeting, like two days before the vote, I mean, it's, it's, which it's is already that. pre-programmed. Like, that's not transparency. Now, this, is, this was a treasurer's meeting back on May 17th. There's a town hall meeting. Yeah. There's a bunch of things. I mean, you're deflecting a bit. Your first, ar- no, 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 first, argument, well, first no. argument was like, they had done nothing with these guys. They, they hadn't communicated enough. That was your argument. Now you're going, you're flipping and you're going, hold on a second. No, let's look at Linus. Right? I mean, no, here's the thing. What you're talking about communication is all one way, right? If the point is that NAR has done a fantastic job, was discussed openly everywhere throughout the legislation's meeting and four months in advance. Wait, so what changed? What changed then? As a result of this discussion, what changed at the board of directors? Did anything change? If they discussed it and they thought that nothing should change, then nothing changed. If they discussed it and thought things would change, sure. then things got changed. Sure. sure. Then I would like to hear from the board of directors, people who are involved. Because my point is communication, like, look, propaganda is communication, I suppose, but it's not real communication. I can still go back to this. When you release a communication plan that has a board of directors vote, like already pre-scheduled in it, like... It's going to be approved, so we're just like letting you know what the press release schedule is. That's not communication. I'm sorry. It's just not. Yeah, I mean, I think you're still, I think you're, and we can agree to disagree. You're deflecting here. I think what it's showing me here is that there was a lot of communication, a lot of discussion, more than that, you know, that you were kind of alluding to that did not happen. Now, now you're talking about what actually happened in the meetings. I mean, I think the argument that you were making before was like, NAR didn't tell anybody anything. And here's a laundry list of right. a lot of different things I didn't even know that they were saying. Okay. It's almost like hearing from the Supreme Soviet 
that there was a lot of communication that happened. Okay. You know, then I guess it okay, is what so it is. Okay, so NAR is the Soviet Union. Okay. Uh, dude, I, I have made that point, right? When Bob Goldberg <laughs> took over, I said, he's like, it's Glasnost, right? It's a whole new era. And we're going to have this like much more open, transparent, you know, leadership of the sunshine thing. And then we've got like Sam DeBoer, who basically is like in line to become the future, you know, president of the union or something. It's like for him to come out, okay, I guess Sam. Well, it's just that. Sam. It's this guy, Mike Valerio or Vel- yeah, Valerino. Yeah. So association executive. Right. So I'm like, okay, I suppose, you know, I mean, I'll go with it. If the point is that the NAR is more transparent than they've ever been before, that's cool. I mean, I wasn't at those meetings. I don't know, right? I don't know. But to say that a two-hour treasurer's meeting days before the vote- That was only one of the things he highlighted. Right. So, if all the things are before, it's like, think about the budget process that we have for anything else, right? Like the United States government. Is that transparent? No, it's not transparent, Right. It's one of the problems we have. It's like, well, you know, it's published and you can read it. It's like 3,000 pages and you give us 48 hours to read it. Like, that's not transparent. There's no time to debate. There's no time for any of that. I don't think that's deflection. I think the whole point is if you're going to do something this big, I feel like more should have been done. And I'll still stay by that because I've got questions out there that have not been answered yet. Now, nobody needs to answer. Who the hell am I? You know, they could just ignore it. But... You know, this notion that like NAR is open and transparent. It's like, fine, if you're so open and transparent, give me a call and I will ask you all the questions. Get on record, right? Like, let's do that. You know, if you really want to be that transparent and open, I would love to have the treasurer of NAR on industry relations. I'll bring a list of questions. He could bring a list of answers and we'll just be transparent about it. Yeah, I think that all blew up when uh, the former president of NAR commented on your blog. So I don't think they're going to do that again. <laughs> Although, I know, new leadership, <laughs> leadership of the sunshine. <laughs> Come on, Elizabeth. <laughs> All right, man. All right. It's good stuff, man. Always good stuff. I had to like add a portion we argued because, you know, that's what they all like to hear. I know. Yeah. I know. It's like crossfire. Like ratings go up when we argue. <laughs> Next time on uh, Industrial Relations, we're going to discuss East Coast versus West Coast rap. Oh, come on. <laughs> Not even close, dude. Not even close. Wow, wow. I will wow, say. Yippee, yo, yippee, yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's a wonderful day outside, so I'm going to go get into it. But uh, any parting thoughts of wisdom, Mr. Robertson? It's an opportunity for leadership. That's what I think it is. Agreed. 100%. To everyone else, thank you all for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. If uh, you liked what we heard, then uh, what is it? Like, give us five stars on iTunes. Is that what we're asking for? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we got we actually have some great ratings on iTunes. You should take a look at it. So, really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care.